0: Welcome to Simple Kicking, the show by special teams for special teams. Simple Kicking provides football's latest special teams news, insights, and interviews with kickers, coaches, recruiters, and agents to give players the best chance of success on their career path. And now, your host, former Division I kicker for LSU and Rice University, James Harrison. Thomas Morstead, you don't need an introduction, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Because in the special teams lounge where we hang out and talk about kicking and punting, your name has been brought up a time or two. Well, that's because I'm old
1: Been doing it a while.
0: Yes, you are old, but you're seasoned and it's kind of like, I don't know, does cheese and wine, both, you know, ripen with older age. I don't know. I'm not much of a wine drinker, but, um, I've heard the analogy
1: and I'm cool with it. Um, that's the goal is to get old and, uh, you know, I'm having more fun doing it now than I've ever had. Um, you know, it gets more challenging as you get older. Uh, you know, just get, everything is constantly changing and, um, you know, it's just, it's a lot of fun. And I think as you, as you go on, if you really love it, it's, uh, something that you just, you know, every year is really special. So, um, anyways, it's, uh, the whole thing has been a blessing and, um, You know, it's been fun to be a part of the kicking community for as long as I have. I feel like I've been able to work with a lot of young guys, uh, people that are passionate about kicking, punting, snapping. And, um, you know, I know it's cliche, but it's one of those things I always told myself. I would try to, you know, make things better and help people along. And and, um, anyways, it's been a good ride so far.
0: The topic of today's discussion is going to be about that ride that you've had because it's it's rare. But I've said on this show before, the Special Teams Lounge is a place for us to come and hang out and to learn from each other because of the central message. And I will start it, and you will fill in the blank. What you give will grow.
1: What you keep, you lose. That's the, that's the second part of that. What you
0: keep, you lose. I learned that. At LSU from Thomas McGahee, mm. who is the now the special teams coordinator at the New York Giants. I confirmed on a text message that he didn't come up with that, that he learned it from the same guy that you learned it from. Very cool.
1: Yeah, that's uh, Frank Gans senior. Um it was an awesome experience in my senior year of college to um just have a year with him. <clears throat> That was uh, at a time that I was, you know, uh, no knock on anybody else previously, but I was really – didn't feel like I'd had the the greatest college experience when it comes to the – you know, I just knew there was more out there. And when Coach Gans came along my senior year, it was just an awesome experience. Um, Fell in love with him within 10 minutes of meeting him. And he uh, impacted me at a time in my life when I was – um still very formidable and um man I was just I was looking to be led and uh couldn't have asked for a better coach mentor friend um you know I kind of feel like he was um he's a blessing to everybody that's ever worked with him or uh played with him and um Anybody that actually had a personal relationship with him, we're all kind of like a fraternity. Um, you either played or coached with Frank Gans, like that's pretty special. And um, I don't know too many people now that have had that experience, but I remember uh, my rookie year, every week somebody would come across the field and, and uh, you know, introduce themselves to me because of that connection. So
0: it was pretty special. And that connection now, 12, 13 years later, is is still thriving, and I'm sure it'll happen for the next couple decades as well yeah i think uh there's a
1: lot of you know people that um were mentored by coach uh have a lot of sayings and things that um that still hold true in their lives and i think that's why it's so special we all kind of like use a different language it's kind of like getting back together with your college buddies and you all say the same dumb jokes and they're still funny because you kind of go back to that time we all have um we all had that with Frank, and we all knew it was special when we were when we were having that experience. Which that's rare for um, young men at that age to know how good something is when it's happening. That's why it was special. So, uh, very grateful forever um, for that experience. I sense a lot of gratitude that you have, Thomas. Yeah, I would say that's one of my core pillars in my life. You know, anytime any time I'm struggling or whether it's physically maybe you're dealing with a tweak or maybe you don't feel like you're grooved in and you're, you, you know, you're not hundred percent confident. Um, <clears throat> if I can pull myself out of that hole, uh, and, and recognize that it's happening and acknowledge it. Um, I just always go back to gratitude. Um, it, it just, it's a great place to live, uh, for a number of reasons, but, um, you know, Maybe you're not feeling confident uh, and you remind yourself of how the 19 year old you that was a walk on that was getting crapped on uh, would do anything to have the opportunity that I have. You know, just just taking yourself back and reminding yourself of your, you know, the true passion that that's underlying and can be forgotten sometimes. Um, So I try to do that daily daily. Um, to where I don't kind of get in the hole, and I think that's been probably one of the reasons for just a pretty high level of consistency over time.
0: For me, for me personally, man, like had a coach tell me about five, six years ago to start writing in a grateful journal on a daily basis, and sweet, you know, it's really cool to look back at your life and the things that you're grateful for because some people call it call him Jesus, God, higher power, whatever. You know, that's how I find God is communicating to me. And, you know, in your career, we have statistics to look at, but that doesn't tell the full story about you, dude. Uh, Well, I appreciate
1: it. I'm not sure what specific statistics you're talking about, but, um, you know, uh, that's very nice of you to say. Um, The whole thing's just been, the whole journey's been outstanding, Um, you know. I don't, know. I don't know what else to say. It's been wonderful.
0: Yeah, man. Well, the reason why it's been wonderful is, you know, that consistency that you've had on the field. And there is a couple of guys that I was, you know, just frivolously searching for questions because here is Thomas Morstead. Um, that is a total rare occurrence to, to cross paths with you. And there was actually an NFL guy. Uh, he's a rookie punter uh, that uh, is up at Kansas City. Tommy Townsend. And, you know, as I was DMing with him, he said, "You know, I don't really get to, ch- to chat with you know fellow specialists that much, you know, especially at the in the NFL level." And a question that he brought up was just your mental uh, preparation. Obviously, we talked about kind of your your gratitude and who you are as a as as a guy, and we'll get into more of that later. But is there anything that are tools in your toolbox that you know have recently worked for you on the mental side of the game? Yeah, I mean.
1: Um... <clears throat> we could do 10 podcasts on that one question. I think, um, you know, I think some general philosophies that have been good to me are um, like we talked gratitude. Um, I think one of the mindsets that I had from a technical aspect uh, that has really served me very, very well you know, I was an engineering major in college. That's how I got an SMU. I got an engineering scholarship to go there. <clears throat> and um, some of the principles I've learned in, in just basic engineering are things that have carried me technically. Uh, you know, things like the more variables, the more error. Um, you know, my, my punning motion is our, our young punter, Blake Gilligan, who's in with us this year. <laughs> said uh that he one of his buddies asked him you know about my technique and he said he's he's so plain and simple that it's unorthodox and so i thought that was pretty cool because that's kind of been my goal technically is the less moving parts um the less things you can screw up and so um and look that I've been fortunate to have a, you know, 37 inch inseam, you know, you you don't, not everybody has it that long levers like that. Um, But uh, I think I lost my ego a long, long time ago. And that's been great for me. Um, You know, I remember Frank Gans telling me, he said, you know, your A ball is what's going to get you the looks, uh, but, but hitting your B ball every time is what's going to keep your job forever. And I never forgot him saying that. And, um, so that's really what I try to do is I try to hit a lot of B pluses. And, uh, when you do that, you, you very rarely have, you know, D's and F's and, um, uh, you know, your little 5.0 second tracker. I don't, I don't get many of those, uh, anymore. Um, but, uh, every now and then I'll surprise myself, but, um, you know, if I can live in that four, six, four, seven, four, eight range with balls in the corner, um, I feel like I can do it as long as I want.
0: And you do drop bombs in the bucket between the boundary and the numbers, really, and that is difficult for you know an aggressive return unit that league wide is only getting more and more um, have more of an appetite for gaining yards on on punts. It's, dude. I don't know if you've seen this, but. Last time I checked, punt returners, at least at the college level, they fair catch balls that are inside the 10 regardless. On Monday night, Buffalo returned a ball caught on the eight-yard line for 24 yep. yards, and it was like a 4-4 four, four hang yep. kick, man. Like, Is that what you're kind of feeling and seeing in the league now as well, the aggressive return? Yeah, I think
1: you have to just guard against what other teams do. Um you know, I think Kansas city was a, a few years ago started to let their guy basically have the green light to do what he wanted. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I think punters have gotten so good at pinning teams deep. And, um, sometimes it's, it's not even about the yards. It's about just the opportunity for a play. So, um, you know, and, and that's kind of how I think about my job. You know, I've always tried to have as high a net as possible, but, um, you know, especially with uh, our crew that we have now down in New Orleans with our kicker who's been outstanding, Will Lutz, and our our uh, partner Turner, uh, Deontay Harris, and um, our just core group of players. Um, you know, I feel like if I don't let the other team have a chance <clears throat> or if we don't let the other team have a chance and then the other team gives us chances, um You know, it's going to be a good recipe over the course of time. If you just look at the kind of field position differential and, um, that's won us a lot of games in the past few years. So like I said, it's kind of, you got to check your ego and, um, you know, coaches don't always tell you exactly what the goal is. Obviously you'd love to hit a 60 yard ball out of bounds every time, um, but, you know, that's that's a little bit of an unreasonable uh, world to live in. And so you kind of have to have this computer in your brain that's hedging bets constantly. How aggressive do you want to be? What's the point of the game? Um, and who you, who's the returner back? What's the coach's mentality across? You know, and I don't know that there's an algorithm that you can put all that information into. But um, I do think there's a bit of my brain that thinks that way. And, you know... I can't always tell you why I get to the answer of how I want to do it, but but it makes sense in my brain of, of kind of me being as confident as possible. And uh, so um, that was a really long
0: answer. But um, <clears throat> anyhow. I've heard longer. Um, <laughs> by the grace of God, and this is going to intersect with the conversation we're having, I ran into uh, another SMU pony uh one Bryson DeChambeau uh, ten days ago. Very cool. And it dude, it was so cool. Um because it kind of fits into this conversation a little bit. This is what you two have in common. Unorthodox, plain, and simple swings. And get this. Meatheads in the gym. Meatheads in the gym is what I was gonna say. Yep. He doesn't have that inseam, however another SMU educated. I don't think he was engineering. I think he was physics, but he responded to my question. And I'm going to ask you the same question. How do you trust yourself in those crunch time situations? And he said, and he closes his eyes and he's clenching his fists and he is accessing all the files in his computer between his ears. He said, look, dude, I have a competitive advantage because I can repeat my swing. I, have a competitive advantage because I put the most force into the ball. And then the third thing that stood out to me the most, and I'd love for your response and your thoughts on this, and this is really interesting, I have a high EQ, meaning emotional. Like he is aware of his emotions. So if you were sitting there with us and he was eating, uh, I think, three peanut butter sandwiches and like three cookies with like protein powder on them, What would you respond if we were all in a round table hanging out together?
1: Look, I I have heard very few athletes talk about emotional intelligence. Um, That is a huge, huge thing for me personally. Uh, You've got me geeked out even more now to hopefully meet him one day. Um, He's, uh, look, I'm not a, you know, I'm not uh, one of these crazy fanatics with anybody. Um, I think everybody's just another person. Um, but he is somebody that I've had a lot of people tell me, man, you guys would love to just be a fly on the wall and listen to you guys talk about your crafts together. Um, and I've taken a lot of notice of him over the past few years, obviously. Um, and I do think there's a lot of similarities, uh, definitely, uh, unorthodox with my training as a specialist back in college and, and still unorthodox with my training. Um, And he's a guy that, man, it would be really cool to meet at some point.
0: This is Thomas Morstead, uh, the punter for the New Orleans Saints. And we're talking kind of just hanging out. You know, I don't really know exactly where this thing is going. And I just know where it's not going, which is great, which means I'm on on target. Back to Bryson, the three emotions that are key for him in terms of his competitive advantage is impulse control, which is if a bad shot happens and he, and he told me look i'm in the rough or whatever and i hit a shot that obviously i can't i don't have control over i have the ability to not get angry and let that anger affect me negatively however if i do get angry i have the ability to flip it and allow it to help me the second part that i want to talk to you about in moving from the eq is And this is the advantage you have that he specifically brought up time he said i know that i'm going to be successful and he brought up a poker example saying if i play the game long enough eventually i'm going to win he has that abundant mindset where there isn't a end point to his career that's pretty powerful um well as far as the impulse control
1: i'll go back to that first um I found out uh, probably towards the end of my rookie year that um, I need to get viscerally emotional to play my best. Doesn't matter if it's anger, sadness, elation. Um, What that does for me, I'm, I'm, I would say impulse control is something that I would be very good at and Sometimes I'm a bit of a robot and I need to, if I can just feel something um, emotionally, uh, like I said, doesn't have to be good or bad, just needs to get, that'll get my juices flowing and it kind of takes my mind out of what I do. And um, <clears throat> so that's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, another kind of way of putting that is a Frank Gans is in one snap and clear. Uh, you can't let last snap. Affect the next snap, uh,
0: good or bad, because that happens. Um, and then, what was the second piece? There was the uh, the time example, like playing the like longevity is a distinct advantage that he has. Yeah, um, look, I think
1: there's nothing. That's a different game, right? That's that's a truly individual sport you don't have a general manager or head coach making decisions, but I would say this, that, um, you know, I know that over the course of time, um, if whether I've had a good start or a bad start that, um, over the course of time, there are going to be things that happen statistically, right. Right. And sometimes you have a bunch of going in short punts and your average is really low, or you got burned on a huge return on a great punt. you know, things that are kind of out of your control, or you had a shank and it was just a horrible punt. Guess what? It's going to happen. And, um, and I've been fortunate enough to actually go through it and, uh, see the ability over time for those two things to even out. Uh, to be able to relax. Cause it, it is hard the first time you experience it because people press and look, everybody does that to some degree. Uh, I don't care how much experience you have, but when you can lean back to those times, you've, you you already have confirmed validity that it's, that it's just, you know, you just got the same, same old bell curve, right. And uh, there's going to be a big chunkier punts that are in this middle section and you can have a few outliers either way. And, uh, I guess the best way for me to think about it is is like the real you is going to shine over time, <clears throat> however shiny you may be or not shiny. Um, but it's going to, um, you know, it's going to even out over the course of time. And so um, I, I dig that. That's really cool.
0: You can learn so much. Right. And I think that goes back to what you give will grow because I preface you know, Even with you or anybody, I reach out like, hey, if you're down to do this, cool. And if you're not, no big deal. And for people to open up, you just never know what you can learn just by by helping somebody, right? And I, I just think that's... Yeah. So I went to a high school called Jesuit in Dallas, and our, there's a lot of uh, Jesuit schools in New Orleans. They call it Jesuit. But at all these Jesuit schools, the, the motto is men for others. And... I think you definitely fit that mold. I I have an old memory where I saw you at a Coles camp and you were nice to me and you gave me a pointer and I was like, wow, that was really, really cool. And, you know, you've done Super Bowl media days and you've won Super Bowls and here you are with Little Simple Kicking hanging out and we're learning together. Uh, I appreciate what
1: you're saying. Um, You know, I think it's very – I had a lot of people over the course of my life pour into me at different points in time that had nothing to gain from me at all. And I think I recognized that fairly early. And, um, I just think it's a cool thing to be remembered by somebody for doing something, um, that doesn't take much skin off your back or, um, even if it does. But my point is, is that, like you said, you don't know when those little moments, like how big of a thing they can be for people and, um, You know, I just remember, you know, I haven't been paid by Jamie Cole for a decade now. Um, I just said, no, I don't, when I get up there, I want to just go work with those guys. Um, I feel like I've already been given so much. And and honestly, I feel like the guys that are going to make it are going to make it because they're, they're going to have that mindset. They're going to figure it out. They're They're going to love it so much that they're not willing to quit all those pieces that come into play. And so, you know, and that comes same. It was funny that even, you know, even the feeling of like, Hey, you know, I could be helping some kid at a camp. That's going to take my job. at Some point. And I think whenever my time's done, it's going to be time anyways. You know what I mean? So um, I've never worried about that and I think it's a really cool thing to have a legacy of of helping others and um, sharing insights um, with people that that are trying to be where you're at like that's a that's like the most awesome compliment I think when a kid is looking at you, I remember looking at certain people like that and they just wow, you know they've got this this grateful feeling that they're you know, they're just, and you, you have such an awesome opportunity to, to make an impact because they are like a sponge. That's got not one bit of water in it, right. They're just going to soak everything in. And, uh, that's really a really cool thing. And so, um, you know, you know, I've, I've definitely over the course of my life just said yes to a lot of things, which sometimes gets me in over my head a little bit, but, um, but it's you know doing things like this. You know, I I said yes to this, not because of some you know previous connection or personal relationship. It was I see what you're doing. I see how much you love it, and you are making a positive impact in our world um, of kicking and punting. And um, I think there's going to be people that use your stuff, and 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 it's going to rise the the mass right and so like that's really cool and and i just uh kudos to you for um you know persevering and um you know it's it's honestly it's been really fun watching you get this thing off the ground so that's why i said yes to doing this
0: well i am uh Grinning from ear to ear, and I'm really oozing with gratitude. And I f- I feel like my seven month old child when she sees this little um, stuffed giraffe Gerald in the next room. Um, I I'm I just I'm very grateful that you said that, man. And this is the the reason why you know I do what I do is because of honestly trace it back to what Gans said to some guy down the road, and it filtered its way playing telephone to Thomas McGahee and I'm just like, look. I have no end game in this. I have no idea where it goes, but all I know is that it will grow. and like you said, it'll raise the masses. Um, I could probably spend hours with you and I, I purposely keep these things you know short because there's too much to digest, especially from from conversations like this. but as we as we finish the podcast and you know hopefully we'll be able to do this you know down the road, I want you to talk about, what you're doing charitably off the field and the recent book that you uh, co-authored with Sean Jensen because you know a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast are in high school and they have anxieties and they have fears but they also have hopes and dreams and your story is applicable to those guys it's applicable to really the entire audience so you know for a couple minutes talk about your foundation what you give will grow well um
1: the foundation has been going for a while now it's been an awesome thing to run it's a heavy burden (laughs) uh you know when you have a 501c3 the irs doesn't get a cut of that money so um there's a lot of um diligence that's put into that um we've been able to do a lot of awesome things for people in need in new Orleans. And it's been more of a blessing to me than anybody. Um, you know, when you get to see people that are going through things, connecting families that have kids with cancer, connecting kids together with each other that no one else knows what they're going through. Um, you know, we did over a million dollars in, in, uh, and book supplies, uh, or, um, school supplies for kids after the flooding, uh, four years ago, you know, we've been able to be really reactive to, um, needs. So it's kind of a unique foundation, right? It's not the American cancer society or American heart association, right? We've, we've been able to not have a lot of red tape. And if there was a, a, a need that we felt like, Hey, we can move the needle here. We've been able to do it. And so that's been really cool to like swoop in and, and, uh, make an impact, um, in a lot of different areas. And for me, um, honestly, I I know people probably don't like to hear this, but I I feel like it's an obligation. Um, you know, I, I think everybody loves the idea of somebody just doing good things because, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's, they're just that wonderful of a person and, and, and look, it, it feels good to, to help other people out. There's no doubt about it. There's a the selfish piece to it, but um, you know, when you've, I made over $30 million playing football, that is a bonkers. And, you know, I think it would be wrong to not try to do some other things. Um, and it's not just with your money, right? It's just, it's any resource that you have. Right. So for people that, feel like they want to do things that they don't have a place you you have your your time you have your heart to put into something and um i just feel like it's an obligation to do it um there's a lot of need everywhere but especially in new orleans <clears throat> so it's been it's been really really good and uh you know it's it's great for uh somebody that it's easy to get your feet off the ground uh living in in the world i'm in and when you do things like this it keeps your feet on the ground it uh, keeps you humble. It keeps you appreciative of small things like eating breakfast in the morning, or um, you know, having kids that are healthy. You know, things that you I think everybody says. Well, that's the that's the baseline. That's where everybody should have. Well, yeah, it'd be nice, but it's not how it is for many people. So, um, <clears throat> it's been it's been great. Um, as far as the book goes. Uh, that was just a really cool how that was just so cool how it came about. Um, you know, we had a when I hurt, got hurt in the playoff game up in Minnesota, um, Minnesota fans ended up through a series of events, ended up donating like hundreds of thousands of dollars to our foundation. And one of the people I interviewed with at the Super Bowl was Sean Jensen. And man, we just hit it off. We had we shared a similar faith background and we just, You know, we were supposed to have a 10 minute call and it was like 45 minutes and um, we stayed in touch and he sent me a few of his middle school rule books. Um, I think the ones he sent me was on peanut Charles, peanut Tillman, Jamal Charles, Skyler Diggins, uh, Brian Urlacher. And he asked me what I thought about him. And I said, man, these are, these are really cool. Like my kids are enjoying it. And he said, well, I want you to be the next subject. And I was like, hold on what's your goal here? Are you like actually trying to sell books? I'm a punter in a small market. And he was like, dude, you got a lot of people that have followed you. And, and, uh, and I think it would be a great message. And you have a unique story relative to the rest of these guys that would be different. And so that was a really cool thing to put that together. Um, so many people in the backdrop of that book that um, didn't know the little things that they did for me. Uh, the little encouragements they gave me as a youngster that how impactful they were and, you know, they're embedded in my mind. <clears throat> and, uh, that was really cool to like go back and have all those interviews with all those different people that made such a big impact on me. Um, so anyways, we had, a, we had a, um, you know, probably a, a less than desirable time to, Ah, uh, release the book because we couldn't go out and do any book signings or, or things like that with coronavirus going on. Um, but we've got a big old, big old shipment of them uh, at the house. So once we start being able to do things like that, um, we'll definitely be getting out and about. But it was a special thing to be able to do that.
0: Well, I have a couple of mine on the way that I've ordered from Target. Cool. So. I'll be doing a, a giveaway for people that are listening to the podcast to make sure that they support, support you, support your, your mission, support your foundation. And, you know, hopefully people will pick up some of the things that we're uh, putting down, which is, you know, helping other people just because, you know, we feel like it's an obligation. Yeah. And
1: look, I think anybody that gets a chance to read the book or or check it out, um, it's not just for kids. It's really, it's really for the parents of those kids to read with their kids um, to understand how important you are to your kids. My parents are the most supportive people I could have ever imagined. And, um, that wasn't the goal of the book, but when the book came out and we had the final draft, I said, I had so many people say, wow, your parents. And, uh, I think that's a really cool thing that wasn't intended. That's kind of a, um, very special that, that they understand, and I think they already knew, but, um, it was, it was, uh, very cool how the book turned out. And, uh, I think parents, um, it's, it's, it highlights how uh, vital you are to your children and, um, you know, pressure's on Now it's my turn trying to do that for my kids.
0: Well, that's the second time and the second straight episode where someone talked about the importance of parenting. Lee Steinberg, who is the agent for Patrick Mahomes and Tua Tagovailolo, however you say his name, and Troy Aikman. The list goes on. He talked about you know how important his father was to him and how they instilled values. And so, you know, parents that are listening, when you have an opportunity to pick up this book, when you have an opportunity to really listen to a story from an NFL punter and and the perspective that you've had, it's super important and it's, it's a privilege that you get to be a parent. And I think you can file under your actions, what you give to your kids. It'll make them grow. It'll make you grow and make all the people around you grow. Thomas Morstead. He is the punter for the new Orleans saints. He is the onside kick specialist and he is the second oldest player on the roster. Thank you so much for joining the simple kicking show we'll, we'll got to get you back in the special teams lounge again sometime down the road I, I i would love to do it um this was awesome um uh
1: suggestion for future podcasts i think once you get enough clientele in there over time doing a double zoom with some of your uh connected people um uh, double interview at the same time and be able to fly on the wall i'd love to get on with uh, dechambeau that'd be pretty cool
0: Thank you so much, Thomas. Absolutely. Seriously. I mean, dude, I've reached out to probably 500 to a thousand people over the last six months since I, I lost my job full-time. I was in the oil and gas business. And uh, so this became my full-time gig. And, you know, I really am grateful that you have uh, supported me and, and, and uh, just been supported me in the sense of responding to my <laughs> Instagram DMS. <laughs> hey, look,
1: you know what you're doing right now? You're, you're providing value to a ton of people. And so when you provide value, you're going to get value. And, um, and so this is honestly, like I said, I can feel how much you love doing this. I can feel the juice. You know, you, you definitely had to persist with me for a little bit. Um, I'm busy with my kids and all that. And, uh, it's been a crazy year for us or for everybody, but, um, uh, I'm glad to do it. And, and seriously, I'd love to do it again. You just let me know and I'll be here.